your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. I, I was thinking about this earlier this morning and I remember standing at this man's graveside and uh, I didn't realise it was a quarter of a century ago and it's Jim Kemi, uh, the late uh, Labour TD um, and this uh, weekend they are celebrating his 25th anniversary, more his life and his legacy and there's a full programme of events um, called Remembering Jim which kicks off uh, tomorrow and uh, runs through until Sunday and involves lots of people, uh, some of whom have been regular guests on this show over the years. And we have Jim's brother, Joe, with us in the studio. And you are very welcome, Joe. Good morning to you. And we also have the former Labour TD and Minister Jan O'Sullivan uh, with us. And uh, you are welcome as well, um, Jan. Thank you, Joe. Uh, and, and one of the things that, that I remember really striking me on the day of uh, his funeral, um, it was... It, it was unusual in many respects. You know, you had the graveside oration, isn't that right, Joe? And I remember Beautiful Dreamer, which was a song that he really loved uh, being played at the graveside too. Yes, Joe, uh, I remember it well. But the choice of song was Jim's. Uh, when he was dying in St. James's Hospital, he said to me, he said, I'd like if you could play that at my graveside. So, And then he also requested Dylan Thomas' poem, do not go gentle, and Mike Finn kindly read that at the graveside. So it's a long time ago, but it's still vivid in our minds and memories, you know. It certainly is. Um, and there was a graveside oration? There was, and by coincidence, the man, historian Garoda Tuhig, who gave the graveside oration, is doing, he's the main speaker on Saturday night again. And again, that was something Jim sort of felt Gerardo Tuhi wouldn't have been of the left uh, like Jim was but he had a very good rounded view of history so we felt that he'd be the perfect speaker for this because he would look at Jim in all the aspects of his life because there was more to Jim than being a left wing TD he, he was a supporter of the arts he supported business for Limerick whenever he could and did his best to put the best image of Limerick forward. So we think Gerard is actually the perfect choice to talk about Jim's life and legacy mm. because the legacy part is important from the political side because many of the campaigns that Jim waged early in his political career seemed a bit like heresy at the time. Uh, acceptance of the border... Uh, divorce, contraception and abortion and now they've all come to pass so in many ways we feel Jim has been vindicated and he could have been ahead of his time. The other thing that resonated with me about his funeral was that it was much more unusual then than now to not have for example a church service Yes, um, and, and, and the, the other point was and he'll turn his grave if he hears me comparing <laughs> him to the Queen but um, it was a huge funeral at the same time it was a huge funeral and people came from far and wide to attend the funeral. But that just showed that Jim touched people in many ways because I've always said when we were campaigning that many people in Limerick wouldn't have agreed with all Jim's policies, but by and large they saw him as being good for the city. And that was the most important thing. And I remember, well, a woman came to Griffin's funeral home 
to me and she said, I didn't know him at all, she said, but I travelled 42 miles because he had great respect for women. And this is the kind of thing that came across, I'd say, to people who never met him or knew him but just read about him, you know. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, Jan O'Sullivan, and I say this respect no, respectfully to your very long political career <laughs> uh, yourself. But I often wonder: was it the character that made the politics, or was it the big issues of the time that made the politicians? Because Jim was an example, but there were others, and it wasn't just on the left. There were some great political characters of his generation. Yes, indeed, there were, Joe. Um, I suppose there were big figures, um, Donegal Malley beforehand, but then, you know, after that, as you say, big characters in all strands of politics. But I think in some ways, uh, Jim was the one who really made a mark in terms of changing Ireland uh, from the very conservative um, sort of closed society. And um, he had gone to England, as, as, as you know, um, as a young man and worked there. And when he came back, I think he realised that uh, it was a very close society and he wanted to change it for the better and he, um, he he particularly I suppose wanted to give opportunity to people who lived around him and who didn't have, you know, there was a lot of inequality, a, a lack of the chance for people to, to get decent work etc and that was a big motivation for him in his trade union activity etc but then the wider I suppose social side of it as well um, I mean setting up the family planning clinic was probably the initial big political campaign if you like that Jim successfully drove and um, I was involved I suppose in the early days of that that issue as well and um, it was not easy you know there was a huge opposition um, at the time and other campaigns as well in terms of just opening up Irish society so in many ways I would say Jim while there were other huge figures in Limerick politics Jim probably made the most difference I would say in terms of changing Ireland Uh, so you know while he was a big person in every way in Limerick but he was also a big person on the national stage where he took positions um, that subsequently a lot of other people did take but certainly didn't take at that time when it took a lot of courage. And Jan you, you took up his political legacy after his death. Um, did you feel that burden at all? Well, look, I mean, I knew I would never be Jim Kemi and uh, I suppose, that, you know, but I, I mean, he was a huge hero of mine. I got involved in politics because of Jim, really. I was involved in some women's issues um, as a relatively young woman in Limerick. Uh, and um, Jim, I canvassed with Jim. I, I just asked to be introduced to him, somebody who I knew canvassed with him. And um, because I just wanted to be involved in what he was working on, what he was campaigning on. And um, so you'll remember then um, the Democratic Socialist Party he was formed uh, back in 1982 and uh, I was one of the, the founding members of a lot of women actually involved at the time and uh, then in 1985 I ran for the for the council with Jim uh, and also with a number of other people including um, Eleanor Goodison who was an, another one of those young women at the time and so I suppose I sat on the council with Jim before I ever um came to the doll at a much later stage so I was very used to working with Jim and um, I suppose knew him at close range and you know sometimes your hero when, when you're at close range with them they, they maybe they disappoint you they look great from a distance Jim was fantastic 
at close range as well as from a distance. He was just a great person to be around. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about remembering Jim, Jim Kemi, his life and legacy on the 25th anniversary of his untimely death, a series of events taking place this weekend uh, with uh, former Labour TD and Minister Jan O'Sullivan and Joe Kemi, who is uh, Jim's brother. The other thing I often wonder about, um, you know, I always feel that people who say things like pressure is only for tyres have never felt pressure, Joe. Um, What was it like? Because he was involved in so many big public battles, you know, with the church and with other politicians within the Labour movement. You know, the pressure around ultimately being certainly central in bringing down a government. How did he react to all of that? Well, I suppose there was pressure, but Jim was easy enough to read because if an issue, he felt he couldn't go along with an issue, well, then he'd vote against it. Now, he had to compromise on many issues as a member of the Labour Party, when he's, certainly when the Labour Party was in government. Sometimes you have to vote for issues that you'd be opposed to normally, but that's the compromise, and Jim did that. But where there was a, a red-line issue... And if it meant an election, because in the 1981 election, when he was elected, we had three elections within a year. And a lot of political correspondents trying to work out the permutations as to whether the government would stand or fall, usually said those independents, as Jim was called at the time, would nearly row in with the government to save the, 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 save, save the, the, the trouble of fighting another election. But in Jim's case, that didn't arise. If he felt that he couldn't support something, well, if the government fell and he had to fight another election, so be it. He would do it. And that election that you referred to uh, triggered by um, him, and not just uh, him not supporting the government, uh, the VAT on children's shoes was a key factor, but it wasn't the only factor, right, No, and this is much misunderstood. Uh, The removal of the food subsidies was a big issue, and Jim made it known he told me this himself before the, the, the budget. Jim made it known that he was unhappy with the removal of the food subsidies and the VAT on children's shoes. And he made it known that he wouldn't support it. But Fine Gael at the time, Gareth Fitzgerald, took him for granted. And Jim shared an office at the time with Noel Brown. And Noel Brown was in favour of that budget. And they thought that Brown would work on Jim and talk him round and then you saw Fitzgerald on his knees in the doll, trying to persuade him to take to change his mind. But the mistake was in not listening to him in the first place. Hmm. Um, do you think Limerick is still a working person's town, Joe? Uh, I do, because we the, the whole thing has changed in Limerick with the coming here of large multinationals. But there's a huge workforce. And if we didn't have multinationals, we'd be back as we were in the black 50s and early 60s, perhaps. So it is a working town, and there is still a large left-wing vote. But in this case now, it's a fragmented vote. It goes in a number of directions. But if you look at the figures in any election in Limerick in recent years, there is still a solid left vote. And there are a lot of people who won't vote for the main parties, no matter what. Mm. Uh, Jan O'Sullivan, what do you think Jim Kemi would make of Limerick... 
Um, I think there are some things that uh, Jim would say are very good. I mean, I think he would still love the place. Um, I think he would be disappointed maybe that there aren't more, there isn't more activity in the city centre, more people actually living in the city centre. Um, I think that's something that Jim would have would have always wanted. Um, and but I mean, he would have been probably still fighting battles of one kind or another. Um, but he always encouraged um, anybody who had expertise in Limerick to to devote it to the city. I mean, he used to talk, to, you know, to architects and people like that about the buildings and make, you know, he was very he was very dedicated to retaining the historic buildings, but also to ensuring, you know, that it was a vibrant city. And um, he he expected people to, to get involved people to give of their expertise and their knowledge um, so I think he would have always been encouraging that kind of participation um, and I, I mean I'm sure he would have been still trying to um, fight battles of various kinds Yeah, Joe Kemi every time I walk around the splendid University of Limerick facility and past the business school I do smile to myself that it is named for Jim Kemi the Kemi Business School Yes I, I remember a funny piece that was written in the business pages of the Sunday Independent, uh, suggesting that it was somewhat illogical to name a building school in a modern university after a left-wing socialist. But I think we have to remember that the person who provided the money for that business school, who wanted to remain anonymous at the time, but everybody I'm sure knows who it is, uh, that person had his own reasons for wanting it named because I remember I was asked to come to the White House to have uh, tea or coffee with the president at the time and I thought it was to do with Jim Kemi's No, papers. this is the White House at the University of Yes, Memphis. yes. You're yes, better, yes, you're better right. oh, we, We'd call that the real White House, right? <laughs> but uh, I was invited out and I thought it was to do with Jim's papers because another thing Jim said to me before he died, he said, give my stuff to the university. And we did. And it took three weeks uh, for a man called John Logan, who who is involved in this weekend, to bring the stuff to the university and then long months in categorising it and whatever they do in those places. But it wasn't. When I, when I went and sat down, he said, look, he said, I won't beat about the bush. We have an anonymous donor who'd like to call the university after your brother Jim. And he said, what do you think of that? I was a bit taken aback because I hadn't expected it. But I said, look, uh, I I talked to my, my two sisters who were the last of us remaining and uh, my family and we'll see what happens. But I said, off the top of my head, I could say to you now, it's highly unlikely we would, I'm not so sure we'd need to give anyone permission to call anything after Jim, but we would hardly give it our seal of approval without knowing who it was. Well, he said, I can't divulge that to you. Well, I said, if the situation changes and you can't come back to me. So he rang me a day or so later and told me who it was. And we said, that's fine. And that's it. It's People have their own ideas. And there have been many little speculative suggestions as to why it was called after Jim. But I think the, the person who provided the five million pounds at the time would be best to give the reason for it. All right. And the Kemi Business School, then, they are inaugurating a special Jim Kemi lecture, aren't they? That's right, yes. And that will go on, hopefully, every year, you know, 
uh, after the next one. And it'll be just remembering Jim. And when students come there, I suppose the first thing they might ask is, well, who is this fellow, Kemi? There's a portrait hanging up. And now because his books are there on display and people can read about him, and with the lecture every year, it'll hopefully keep him in, in their minds, you know. And John O'Sullivan, I was saying to Sharon Slater, who does such great work uh, online mm. and elsewhere on keeping the local history of Limerick alive, along with others, that she's carrying uh, the legacy of Jim Kemi because that, maybe a little unheralded, is a huge part of what he did. Absolutely. And indeed, um, you know, the local history element will be a big part of the weekend as well. We'll be having Liam Irwin, for example, speaking on Saturday night and uh, we'll have a display of publications. And of course, the old Limerick Journal as well continues to be published. Jim edited it for many, many years. But yeah, Sharon Slater, um, I was recently present at the launch of of one of her books um, in Ormston House. Uh, she invited me to speak and uh, she's done tremendous work as well. Um, but I think we should pay tribute to, to the committee of the Old Limerick Journal who've kept it going um, and, and indeed published still. But that was a, one of Jim's, you know, great labours of love, I suppose. And he uncovered elements of, of Limerick history that nobody knew about before, including the Limerick Soviet. Um, and uh, so, you know, the, the, there's so many, I suppose, aspects of Jim's life. And for the weekend, we're trying to cover as much of that as we can. So there'll be an exhibition, for example, in the City Gallery, which um, Una McCarthy there and, and Siobhan O'Reilly have very kindly helped us with, uh, and uh, John Logan will be speaking there. And then uh, Jim was t- or Joe was talking about the um, the university, but the archivist Ken Bergen there will be speaking on the Friday evening. Uh, so the university has got on board, the City Hall has got on board, the people from the museum, Damien Brady and Matthew Potter are organising an exhibition, and Owen Devereux will be speaking on Friday at lunchtime in City Hall. Uh, and then, of course, we have the walking tour on Sunday morning, which Mike Finn is going to, um, you know, Mike is, you know, a good entertaining person to have. And uh, it'll be a walk uh, around different places that would be associated with Jim and his life, starting in the Mechanics Institute. And um, I, I'm allowed to mention an establishment uh, where we'll be, we'll be finishing up in, in Tom Collins is where Jim, uh, I suppose, relaxed sometimes after his, his weekly work. Uh, and uh, we'll have a bit more entertainment there from Mike in. So, um, all in all, I think you know we have uh, a good yeah. program organised, and we'd like to thank everybody actually who helped because it, we didn't organise every element of it. You know, we had we had all those various organisations involved as well. Absolutely, um, uh, and uh, Joe Kemi. Just before we finish up, I suppose he would love the fact that the Limerick Soviet that um, he identified uh, later was turned into Bread Not Profits uh, performed at Cleves by Mike Finn who he knew well and I think Limerick Jazz Festival are also paying tribute through Bread Not Profits yes. for the performance mm-hmm. this weekend. Absolutely Joe because uh, Liam Cahill who wrote his book on the Limerick Soviet, Soviet said in the foreword that Jim provided most of the material and Liam who died not so long ago we we were hoping to have him here this weekend, but unfortunately that didn't work out. There's one other thing, Joe, I might like to say. Uh, we're going to visit the birthplace of Jim Kemi on our walk on the Sunday, and I won't divulge where that is, but it's not where most people think it is, and that will be a big surprise on Sunday. What age was he when he passed away? He was 61, and because he packed so much into his life, I suppose people assumed that he was older yeah. but uh, he wasn't 
But look, we hope a large crowd will turn up at the Glenbrook Hotel, who must be thanked, by the way, for mm-hmm. putting their facilities at our disposal. We have the entire hotel. There's no charge for any of our events. It's all free, and we hope a huge crowd turn out. And maybe, Joe, uh, just to add that um, we will be having a message from Uthran Nehiran, uh, a written message at the beginning of our event. Um, of course, another Limerick man, um, and who would have served with with Jim in the doll. Uh, Mary Dundon, a political, um, she was political correspondent for the Examiner during Joe's, or during Jim's political life, um, and also set up the, the uh, journalism school in, in UL. And uh, we'll also have a video message from the leader of the Labour Party, Ivana Bacic. So, you know, it's it's a full programme, but and a bit there'll be musical entertainment after that as well in the in the Perry Hotel in Glentford Street. So yeah, it's 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 been very um, interesting putting it all together. But we really did want to commemorate, uh, you know, an extraordinary Limerick man who who made a great mark. Well, I, I you know I was wet behind the ears in the um, Jim Kemi career, but uh, he was always very courteous to me. And lucky enough, I've met present company included. I have to say, uh, fantastic characters in Limerick politics. And I, I think it's something we don't maybe appreciate enough, you know, regardless of party or allegiance. We, we've had some um, extraordinary figures and Jim Kemi was certainly one of those. And, and I thought you were going to say 61. That's That was my memory, but that's, that's, that's a young man. It's a young man. But anyway, a, a big life and legacy of Jim Kemi uh, on the 25th anniversary of his untimely death, remembering Jim this weekend. Just as a matter of interest, can anyone go online to find out a bit more? Or do you have... To, Anybody yeah. can uh, Google remembering Jim Kemi and the information is all there, Joe. All right. Well, listen, Joe Kemi, great to see you again. Thank you so Good much for you. coming in. Great to see you as well, Jan O'Sullivan. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Joe. And uh, enjoy uh, the weekend of uh, remembrance. Thank you, Joe. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.